Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Ralph Report. It's a brand new day and a brand new week. It is Monday, April 29th, and I'm your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. Sitting across from me here in the Batcave is the vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. It's a pleasure to have you joining us today. A lot to talk about, not the least of which, of course, is the biggest money-making movie of all time. Unreal. I spit on your grave deja vu. <laughs> Told you about it last week, and uh, who could have expected it to bring in that kind Just of money? Just out of nowhere. Yeah, we'll talk more about, of course, the big money-making movie, Avengers Endgame, when we get to the show business news. In the meanwhile, we got a lot of other stuff. Steve Ashton will be stopping by with Ask a Brit. Also, we've got your phone calls, Garmy on the line, and many, many more things to talk about. So it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Eddie, you've seen the movie twice already. I have, you? and I have tickets to see it a third time. <laughs> wow, you have a problem. I do. You're addicted. You I need do. to go to a, uh, a class or it's a clinic. It's such or... a dense film. You, there's, you can see it over and over again. You see something new every time. There's a lot going on in that movie. There are references to the entire span of all 22 films leading up to this. So, uh, yeah, if you were so inclined, if you're looking for all the little details and Easter eggs and all that stuff, multiple viewings would oh. not be out of the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and again, we'll talk to it, uh, talk about it rather when we get into the showbiz news. It is over three hours long. And yet it doesn't feel that long. I got to tell you, it really moves it, along pretty well. It really well. does. And once it gets in that second act, it's like it flies by. I can see why they would have a hard time cutting it down any longer because yeah. you're servicing, servicing rather, um, I don't know, two dozen characters <laughs> yeah. and keeping everybody in the mix and rotating through and telling everybody's backstories and through lines and past film moments and and everybody had a moment it was yeah, great it was really great so uh we'll cover that more but first let's get to you guys the garmy speaking of the garmy i want to thank everybody who turned up yesterday for our live stream video event i'm happy to announce it went off without a hitch at least technically <laughs> everybody was able to find it and get into the room and those folks who wanted to be there were there and we had a great time answering your questions, all the three and four star generals who showed up for that. So if you want to be around for the next one, which will be sometime next month, we do it every month. Uh, all, all you have to do is uh, up your subscription to the three or four star level. And you too can hang out with us, at least via the interwebs and uh, ask us questions and stuff like that. All right, let's get to you guys. Speaking of the Garmy, we love it when you reach out. We love it when you write us at ralph at the ralphreport.com or eddie at the ralphreport.com and somebody asked me to make sure to spell eddie for everyone <laughs> because he said he knew a kid in school who spelled his name e-d-d-y yes yes and he wanted to make sure that i specified that it's <laughs> e-d-d-i-e yeah at the ralphreport.com okay so we cleared that it's mystery up i used to go by e-d-d-y when i was a kid in grade school i went by e -D -D -Y. really yeah and as I got older, I was like, oh, I want to go by IE. And I changed it. Now I well, go who, by... who put it with the Y? My mom. That's dumb. 
I know. I didn't like it. Well, but as you a, shouldn't have. It's that's not why how you I spell changed. It. That's why I changed it. What was wrong with her? What was she? I thinking? don't know. I def- Well, she's also gave me my middle name, Brian, from the Brian song movie where the guy died of that's cancer. True. So yeah. there's with a lot of questions <laughs> from mom. There's a lot of things about mom. Uh, Steve is S T E V E at theralphreport.com if you want to uh, write him. Yeah. I don't think there's any other way to spell No, I Steve. don't think so. Maybe S T E E V. Yeah, you could. You could, right? If you, you wanted just, to. That would piss you off. It would. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you can also leave us a voicemail message 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the Ralph Report hotline. That phone number, as always, is 1 833 Hi, Ralph. <laughs> That's not as breathy. No. I'm mixing it up. It trying is. to find something new in it's there. It's getting kind of Mickey. We love it when you leave your voicemail messages. I uh, pick a handful of them and I slap them on the front of the show here in a segment called Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The garbage on the line. Ross gonna play your calls now. Let's see what's on your mind. Before I get to the phone calls, a real quick. Oh shit! I you missed it, again. it. Oh Christ! Here, uh. blah 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 blah. There. <laughs> For that anal retentive guy who gets wigged out when I don't do it. Don't be so precious. Don't be so particular about everything. Uh, be loose. Go with the flow, man. It's just life. It comes loose, at you. daddy-o. Don't live in Squaresville, man. Blah, 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 blah. Um, real quick email from Tara Gray, who sent this in, from Ottawa. That's in Canada, don't you know? I've heard. Before we get to the voicemails, this quick email. And I want to read this because folks are still sending in their haiku poetry <laughs> for the Ralph Report. And I love that. This has a reference to yesterday, uh, last week's show, rather. When we're talking about how the Jeopardy champ is a dick. Yeah. And she said, I'm glad someone else finally noticed that that guy's a dick, too. And he is. He's a major dick. And so she wrote this haiku. Watching Jeopardy. What a giant douche canoe. Punch him in the teeth. <laughs> so thank you, Tara, for that. You made me laugh. That was pretty douche strong. Douche canoe. Douche canoe. Apparently, that's a Canadian thing. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I'm going to use that I more like often. I like that a lot. Thanks for that gift, Tara. <laughs> All right, our first call up. This is not funny, but I was touched by it so much. I was moved by it so much. Anybody who's got a pet knows what Amy is going through. And the fact that we're able to take her mind off what's happening right now as she calls, well, that makes this whole goddamn enterprise worthwhile. Hey, Ralph. Amy here from Alberta, Canada. I'm just um, sadly driving to have to put my dog down. But I'm listening to your podcast along the way, and it's making me laugh. So thank you for making me laugh on what is possibly the worst day. (laughs) Thank you. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Ah, Amy, we're so sorry. We feel feel for you. I feel you, Amy. Eddie went through that not not too long ago. I actually recorded the Ralph report the day I put my dog down. Yeah, it's brutal. It helped me deal with it just to get my mind off things and laugh so it's a brutal experience i know exactly what you're going through amy so um thanks for calling us in your darkest moment and the fact that you thought of us and that we helped in some way well like i said that's just it's it's the best thing that we have to offer so thank you for reaching out and i hope you're doing okay and i'm so sorry for what you went through amy we're thinking of you uh this next phone call uh, startled me a little bit it uh got me nervous and then i realized it wasn't meant for me so i felt a little bit better (laughs) but uh this is a little ominous Good afternoon, Mr. Garman. Uh, this is Arthur Dent. I am a private investigator out of the Washington, D.C. area. I'm trying to locate uh, one Edwin Pence for some 
transactions he may have made at the Nordstrom company over the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you do see Mr. Pence, please ask him not to leave the state. Uh, We'll be in touch. Done, sir. We will keep him here (laughs) while you get extradition papers in order. Because I believe, I would say it's fraud. I, I, I would assume it's fraud. fraud. I, it's probably a felony. I would I, say it's probably a felony I case of fraud. I wore the articles. I didn't, they didn't agree with me, and I returned them. <laughs> they didn't that's agree the, with that's, you. <laughs> <laughs> Those clothes did not agree with Gave me. Gave you some heartburn, did <laughs> they? They did. My body rejected them. <laughs> well, that's for you to work out with private investigator <laughs> Arthur Dent, sir. That has nothing to do with me. So I'm just letting you is know. Is he related to Harvey Dent? <laughs> Perhaps he is. Well, that would make sense. Uh, Brian called in and I excuse the quality of this phone call. It's not the clearest phone call we received this week, but I thought the topic was so spectacular that I had to include it because this is something I definitely want to talk about this week. Hey Ralph, Brian here, long time fan. I've called you since the dawn of Babylon. I'm calling you because a little, little over a year ago, I was struck by lightning. Okay. What actually happened was I guess it was 4,000 volts of man-made electricity. So that landed me in the hospital, but after a brief stay and some skin grafts, they sent me on my way. The anniversary of my getting out of the hospital just passed, and I was wondering, what was the most fucked up thing that you guys had somehow managed to survive? LMD. Brian, if you couldn't make it out, was uh, zapped with 4,000 volts of electricity. Jesus. Put him in the hospital and burned his skin so badly he needed skin grafts. Now... That is not ideal. Don't get me wrong. No, not at but all. the possible death from electrocution was very real, obviously, for this guy. Wow. So he's asking, what's the worst thing you ever survived? And I thought, what a great topic to throw open to the Garmy in general. So we're going to do that this week. I'll start collecting your stories. If you're out there and you survive some harrowing experience that might have killed a lesser man, or woman, I'd love to hear from you. Write me at ralph at the ralphreport.com or leave your voicemail message. And sometime this week, we will do a little recap of some survival stories of the Garmy because wow. that is... That's crazy. It is crazy to get that shock, to get electrocuted, basically, and to walk away and a year later be thinking about the anniversary. I wonder if there's any like lasting side effects. On well, that. I reached out to Brian to see if I could uh, do a little interview with him. Yeah. And he said there apparently there's some legal uh, ramifications uh, for what he's going gotcha. through, and his uh, attorney advises him not to speak about it while it's still being settled. So, And I won't get into any more details than that because I don't want to tell Brian's story out of school. But he said that he doesn't remember much leading up to the event and certainly not afterwards it's all a blank to him man so you can imagine losing a big chunk of your life like that jesus so yeah have you ever uh any near brushes i'm trying to think (laughs) no i I, cannot believe that you of all people the man who got his ball scalded with hot chocolate (laughs) and all the things you've been through i've had minor annoyances but nothing life-threatening nothing where i've like threatening that like that would have killed me or killed another person yeah i've never been through that i i've hurt myself a lot yes but i've never come close to killing myself yeah i um was climbing up the outside of a building trying to get in the balcony of a uh, cocaine dealer who I was also wildly attracted to. You told me the story. story? I was two floors (laughs) off, uh, two stories off the ground. And there was another story added on to the fall because uh, there was a sloping driveway that went to an underground garage of the apartment building. Yeah, I know what you're saying. So I was on the second floor balcony. So think of that as two stories and then yet another story deep where the parking garage was. 
And I was trying to, I couldn't get a hold of her on the phone or by her buzzer. So I was, I had just talked to her. I was just in her place. And so I was trying to reconnect with her. So I climbed the outside. Because <laughs> that's what women want. That, oh, it's right? very romantic. Very romantic <laughs> when you when you come you in. Break from, into their place. Well, I would have knocked, Eddie. I wouldn't have broken <laughs> in. I would have tapped gently at her patio window. But as I was climbing <laughs> over the railing, I lost my balance and went over backwards. Ooh. And had I not grabbed out and reached the railing, hold, held on to it briefly, just enough to right myself so right. that I dropped feet first, I was going head first Ooh. backwards. And I think landing on my head at that, at that height would have been at least uh, really bad, really bad, really, really if bad. not fatal. So wow. I still get chills when I recount that. Sometimes, you know, you have those moments where you you think of a, of, of a memory and it's still you can feel the fear going yeah, it's through like your body. Post-traumatic stress. You almost yeah. relive it. So that was the most dangerous thing I've ever done. And Ooh. obviously one of the smartest things. I've obviously. Ever done. And romantic. Oh, man. So I, as it was, I landed on my feet and my knees obviously at that height buckled underneath me mm. and I landed flat on my back oh, and as I turned to my God. side I saw my foot up where my waist was on either side of me my knees had hyperextended ow extended no probably no, um, they didn't go back no in. they didn't go back in they fit they you know mm. they went the same directions knees go but much more so than any knee had <laughs> oh ever gone God. before and Ow. I was literally flat like a pancake, Ow. and I couldn't walk because the ligaments, whatever, had been stretched out. I can't believe you didn't blow your ACLs out. So I, uh, I did a marine crawl to my car, got pulled myself up into the car, and then managed to drive home by pressing my knees oh my and pushing my feet down on the pedals <laughs> to work the clutch, gas, and brake manually by moving my legs with How did my you arms. Deal with the pain. Were you on? Were you on something at the time? I was drunk. Okay, yeah, I was okay. loaded, which so probably drunk, probably drunk. helped oh me be a little God. bit more flexible, like a rag doll, than I would have been ordinarily. You might have survived more than one near death experience that night. That's probably true. Yeah, wow. I only had to go a couple blocks though. So wow, it was okay. Um, don't do any of those things I've just <laughs> described ever, kids. If you're listening, oh, it was the stupidest scariest thing that's ever happened to me so that's my story tell me yours write me ralph at the ralph report.com or uh, send a voicemail in about something you survived it doesn't have to be as stupid as that it could be something that wasn't your fault at all like mine was completely my fault <laughs> uh cindy called in we remember cindy cindy was the uh, lovely lady who recommended we put the bullwhip into oh, the yeah. uh where did it come from theme remember that I love the bullwhip that was cindy's idea Hi, Ralph. This is Cindy in Riverside of the for where did it come from? Good impression. I have a where did it come from question. Yes. Why did we say I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole? Mm. LMB. I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. That's something that Eddie Pence says about almost every food on the planet. Close to it. If you want to get him to eat something, he's like, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Why Why is the 10-foot pole the measurement? I don't know. Why is that the thing we're keeping distance between us and the thing we don't want to be around? Well, it's time for Where Did It Come From? Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Say it ain't so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking know. Interesting that this idiom, this phrase, comes from, once again... Uh, seafaring folk. A lot of things come from uh, sailors yeah, and stuff. They talk weird. <laughs> now this, this one isn't from those big sailing ships out there in the sea. These are from river boatmen. 
And sometimes you'll see this if you're watching an old movie. You'll see somebody moving a barge or a uh, small boat through shallow water using a pole yeah. to push themselves along the bottom of right. the river. That pole is called a barge pole, and it has always been, the measurement's always been 10 feet in length. Huh. And so when people started talking about what they didn't want to touch, that was a fairly common item back in the old days. I mean, this phrase comes back from the 1700s. So uh, it, there was a lot of people working their way up and down rivers through these great United States of ours, pushing along little barges with those poles. So a 10-foot pole or barge pole was not an uncommon sight. Right. So if someone wanted to say they just wanted to put some distance between themselves and something they disdained or didn't like, they would say, I wouldn't touch that with a barge pole. As barge pole started to fall out of favor, you don't see a lot of people pushing no, you barges don't. anymore. You don't. Uh, it was started being slowly replaced with 10-foot pole, and that one stuck, and we still use it today, even though I have personally never run across a guy with a 10-foot pole working his way down a river. <laughs> but now you know where that came from. It used to be. It's so funny. It started with, I wouldn't touch that with tongs. Tongs? Yeah, you know tongs, yeah. like salad tongs right. kind of thing? Apparently, people use tongs for a great many things but back you, in yeah. the day. So you use tongs for lots of stuff. But I wouldn't touch that with tongs, meaning you know that's another way to keep distance. You don't actually put right. your hands on it. use the tongs, right? That's more of a sanitary issue, I think. Tongs yeah, are. But it's still the distance between you and whatever right. the thing it is you don't want to deal with or touch. It doesn't seem appropriate. Started with tongs. Then it went to barge pole, which apparently is still used in the UK. To a certain barge extent. pole? Wouldn't barge touch pole. you with a 10-foot? Wouldn't touch you with a barge pole. With the barge pole. And then in the States, it morphed into 10-foot pole, and that's why we use that still as a measure of distance between us and things we don't want to mm. do. So there you go. It's good to know. I could say, I wouldn't touch climbing up the side of a building <laughs> of a drug dealer with a 10-foot pole. That means that's something I want to distance myself from. There you go, Cindy, and now you know where it came from. Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Say it ain't so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking build and lastly, Jennifer called in. We were talking about Arbor Day last week. Yeah, Remember Arbor Day? Plant a tree. The national holiday where you're supposed to plant trees. Well, uh, Jennifer told me a fact that I did not know, largely because I am not a fan of this franchise. Here's her call. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Eddie. Just Jennifer from Kentucky calling about Arbor Day. Um, one of the reasons you may have recognized it is because there was actually a Charlie Brown special done in 76. It's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown where they planted a tree on his pitcher's mound. Ugh. Check it out. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Fucking peanuts. Has anyone what? ever laughed at a peanut special There's ever? There's some funny peanut stuff. There is nothing funny I about like the peanuts. anything that's ever been connected to the peanuts. Peanuts were so lucky they came out when they did because there was nothing in the newspaper to read and there was nothing on television to watch. So we all gathered around and watched those goddamn specials year in and year out because there, there were three channels and that's what was on. There's one scene where Lucy and Snoopy are getting ready to throw down uh -huh. and, and Snoopy just keeps licking her and dodging the punches until she falls to the ground basically surrendering right and it makes me laugh every time i see it well that tells me much more about you than it tells <laughs> I me think about it's the, funny than it tells me about the oh, peanuts i like the peanuts it's uh it's an embarrassment it's, it's not an, it's an american embarrassment it is not. and we should all i don't know do something to stop it we need to there's a reason why it's arbor day charlie brown isn't on a regular rotation <laughs> on the network didn't say that setting. was a good one there none of them are good that's all a faux nostalgic experience it's where we're all faux. we've all been taught to believe oh that oh aren't God. these wonderful oh, aren't these great no there's nothing no, entertaining I about any like of it. these 
Here's a little clip, by the way, for It's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. I've never been so humiliated in all my life. And now my teacher says I have to give a complete report on Arbor Day. Ugh, they're all the same Why'd goddamn show. Why'd you pick show. the worst clip that's ever? very representative of every line that's ever been in every Peanuts special well, Sally ever. Sally sucks. Okay, oh, I'll no, give you that. Oh, no, oh, I, Sally what are we going to do suck. now? We're all out of pumpkins, Charlie Brown. Oh. What are we going to hang on the Thanksgiving tree? Whatever bullshit they come up with. You kept getting a rock at Halloween? That's oh, funny. Oh, God. I didn't get any I valentines from the little red-haired girl. Oh, my God. Oh, Give that kid some Adderall and oh, send him to a specialist. I like, and get him off my television. I like peanuts. Oh, they're the worst. And there you go. You <laughs> too could be featured in Garmy on the line. But you know what you got to do. You got to call me. Call me around. It's the number everyone's talking about. Call me right now at one eight three three. Every day of the calendar has holidays associated with it. And so what we do here on the Ralph Report is take a look at all of them. And if we agree with them, you'll hear this sometimes. And if we don't agree with it, you'll hear this sometimes. Another guy wrote and said, how come sometimes you play the things in the holiday thing and other times you don't? Because I just don't. Because I don't. Not everything has to happen all the time. Sometimes it feels appropriate. Sometimes we're just talking. Everyone needs just to relax. It's just a show. We're just here to have a good time. We're only human. That's right. It is uh, a segment we call Holiday or Holiday. Holiday or Holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. All right. Today, Monday, April 29th, is National Peace Rose Day. National Peace Rose Day. Peace Rose. Not to be confused with Pete Rose, which would right. be a whole different thing. Not to be confused with the Pence Rose, which is what Eddie calls his butthole. Like, no. What? <laughs> Would you assume I call it a rose? The, yeah, the Pence the Rose. The Pence Rose. Yeah, who wants, baby. Who wants to take baby. a look at the Why Pence Rose? Put finger in the Pence Rose. Why don't you take a little whiff of the Pence Rose? Um, no, it's called the National Peace Rose. And believe it or not, and I would call bullshit on this at first blush. Mm-hmm. But believe it or not, this actually has a fairly interesting story behind it. Now, I am not a horticulturist by any stretch of the imagination. You don't look like one. I'm not a big flower fan in general. I wouldn't, I wouldn't peg you as well. Flowers are nice. They're pretty and stuff. But I'm not that into them. No. This one is pretty cool, though. This rose, the Peace Rose, is a, a light yellow or cream-colored rose that has a flushed pink or crimson petal edges. So it's one of those cool roses. It's one color in the center, and then it changes color as it goes out to the ends. It was created by a French horticulturalist named Francis Melon, and he developed that rose. It took him four years to develop it, between 1935 and 1939. Now, when Melon realized that the Nazis were invading France, he wanted to protect his new rose. And so he sent cuttings of it to his friends in Italy, Turkey, Germany, and the United States. He sent his rose away from France because he thought the Nazis are going to come in. They're going to burn the place to the ground. Everything's going to be ruined. And I want this rose to live on. So there was a cutting of this rose that was on the last plane available for the United States out of France before the German invasion. Is that how it survived? Literally the last flight out. That's how it survived? The guy was carrying the rose on the plane. They need to make a movie about that. Isn't this nuts? That should make a movie. So uh, it went to all these different countries and they bred it and it lived on. 
And in the United States, they named the rose the Peace Rose because at the time, during the Second World War, everybody obviously did not know what was going to happen with the state of the planet. Would it be overrun by this madman or would peace be yeah. eventually reinstated? So in a hopeful gesture, they named it the Peace Rose. And when the war was over in 1945, Peace Roses were given to each delegate at the meeting of the United Nations in San Francisco with a note that read, we hope the Peace Rose will influence men's thoughts for everlasting world peace. Well, no, that didn't happen. And as you can see, it did happen, Eddie. That <laughs> How rose, did that happen? That rose created world peace, and we've had no, no wars ever since. since. No fascist so leaders So the peace since. rose certainly deserves its holiday because it got sure the does. job done. Mm -hmm. No more wars yeah, after that. I like the Pence rose better. I bet you do. Today's also National Zipper Day. National Zipper Day. I, you got to owe a lot to the zipper. Think about the zipper. Let me tell you about it. The zipper was invented in 1851. I thought it'd be older than that. Really? I did. It's a pretty complicated piece of machinery it looks complicated. for the era. I thought somebody would have done it. Uh, Elias Howell, the inventor of the sewing machine, was the first guy to receive a patent for what he called huh. his automatic continuous clothing closure. <laughs> Not quite as catchy as the zipper, is it? Uh, it wasn't exactly the one we know and love today, but it was the, the first mechanics of how to close something by using that interlocking teeth mechanism yeah. that zippers use. Uh, eventually, there was a Swedish-American electrical, electrical engineer named Gideon Sundbach. And in 1906, he was working for the Universal Fastener Company, and he developed the modern zipper as we know it and love it. Uh, it's, it was then called the separatable, excuse me, the separable fastener and the patent for that was issued in 1917. So it's uh, over 100 years old. I wonder who coined the phrase zipper. I'm glad you asked. Oh. B.F. Goodrich. B.F. Goodrich. The rubber people. Right. Started to make boots with the, uh, fast, the separable fastener on <laughs> the side of it. Yeah. And they didn't care for that name. It no, wasn't as who catchy. does? So they said, get our new boots that are easy to get into because now we offer the zipper. You can zip it up real quick to get yourself into those wow. boots. So that was in 1923 when that phrase was coined, and we've wow. been calling it the same thing ever since. I love the zipper. The zipper. Think about how often you use a zipper every yeah. day of your Think life. Think how annoying button fly jeans are. Yeah. And that's all they had before. Oh, that's all they had before. But the zipper, I love me some inventions that are so basic and and perfect that they last for hundreds of years well, relatively unchanged. Yeah, they just become part of your everyday. You don't even think about it. And them. they've tried to conquer the zipper. They've tried to knock it off its yeah. throne with the Velcro, Velcro and <laughs> oh snaps and hooking eyes and all these fancy enclosures. But the zipper no. lives on. You can't zipper. take all out hell the, the zipper. zipper. All hell the zipper. I'm going to start a new religion. The zippies. <laughs> so, uh, well, yes, we're all about the zipper. Happy Zipper Day, everybody. It's International Dance Day, Eddie. International hmm. Dance Day. I'm glad, finally, we're recognizing dancing because it's almost gone. Yeah. No one dances yeah, anymore. This, the whole world's basically a footloose this town. goddamn ridiculous. I know. Why do we need a dance day? You know what? Everybody's dancing all the time. There's like 17 dance shows on TV. It's it's never been more in our face, dancing. No one's forgetting about dancing. We don't need a holiday where we commemorate no. the fact that everybody's dancing. Let's dance a little less. That's right. I remember think. that scene in Arthur, the, the Dudley Moore movie, where he's drunk at the bar and he's talking to the old man. He goes, in the communist countries, the kids learn how to fight. In America, everybody's dancing. <laughs> While our kids are dancing, their kids are learning how to fight. 
Everybody's dancing here. You're right, you're right. It's not worth talking about. Let me buy you another drink. Right. What do you do? I'm a dance instructor. So that's what I thought of. Everybody's doing a little too much goddamn dancing. A little dancing. too much dancing. So, no, we will ignore that. And as you know, I leave the food-related holidays for the end because mm. who knows? Don't who know. knows if Eddie Pence is going to eat something? It's going to stick it in the Pence Rose. We don't know where the food's going. It's always a question mark. And the only way we can find out is for me to tell you about the food. And then we will pull the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine and find out if three of those kinds of food come up on the wheels. That means he eats it. If it doesn't, well, that's usually what happens. So let's find out. Today is National Shrimp Scampi Day. Shrimp Scampi, the delicious dish of shrimp cooked with butter, garlic, lemon juice, and white wine. One of the most delicious sauces you can get in an Italian restaurant is that scampi sauce. When I get shrimp scampi, I always get extra bread because I like to soak up the sauce. Just eat that alone with the bread. You cannot beat a good shrimp scampi. However, is that something Eddie Pence would eat or wouldn't he touch it with a 10-foot pole? It's time to find out. Let's pull the handle of that slot machine, shall we? Here we go. We got one shrimp, two shrimp. And I like scrimps, too, you know? That's why I thought we had a chance, because Jumbalo scrimps was one of our first inklings into just what a nut bar you were when that came up early on in your tenure here on the show. So I thought, if he loves the Jumbalo scrimps, then if you put that delicious sauce on top of scrimps, how can you not like the sauce? I don't like the sauce. It's buttery. It's garlicky. It's got all those delicious tastes. I don't like the garlicky. I don't like the white wine. I don't. Is it soury? I don't even like too soury for you. It's I don't even like the buttery on it. I like I like my scrimps in cocktail sauce, and that's it. That's just it. That's it. Pure, pure, pure. Like shrimp stew, no shrimp salad, shrimp scampi, shrimp bologna. Yeah. All right, no shrimp scampi for Eddie. Well, give me plain old scrimps. I thought we had a a glimmer of hope there. (laughs) Once again, once again, Eddie. You've crushed my hopes and Sorry. dreams. And that was today's holiday or holiday. Now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news in a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. Well, really, there is only one big entertainment story coming out of the news this weekend. And that is the fact that Avengers Endgame has obliterated every box office record known to man. I'm not kidding. It has broken 144 different box office records. That's nuts. I won't even go through them all, obviously, because there's 144 of them. But for the month of April, for a given weekend, internationally, I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. It has done something no film has ever done, and I have to think likely will never do again. It has earned over $1 billion globally in its opening weekend. Uh, They're still calculating, but they're estimating about 1.3. That's what I heard. Between 1.2 and $1.3 billion in its opening weekend. I can't even comprehend that. That's crazy. It was a stunning $350 million in North America alone. Wow. 
If you look at the box office numbers, as we do every Monday here on the show, just to get an idea what people went to see in theaters over the weekend, if you look at that top number, and if it's $60 million, you go, holy That's a hit. Crap. You're like, wow. What an enormous opening weekend. Yeah. $350 million. <laughs> it almost looks like a typo. Oh, nuts, man. The film industry nuts. has never seen anything like this. It is truly a unique movie-going experience. I think to have a franchise go on for 10 years and 22 films and then to capitalize on all that goodwill by by tying a neat little bow around it. When you think about it, even with all the franchises that have been successful, the Bond films, the Star Wars films, Star Trek films, whatever you want to name, it never went anywhere. It's just it's a continuing story yeah. that goes on and on and on. Right. I think the fact that this was a goodbye, of, in, a, in a sense, to a certain stage of Marvel yeah. films... That's what generated everyone to need to be there for that. And closure. I think I think a lot with like the other movies, like you're saying, like Star Wars or Bond or whatever, they made those movies and like, oh, this is great, let's make more of these. Yeah, this seemed to be the plan from after the, the success of the first Iron Man movie. This seemed to be some sort of a plan for the next decade to release these movies and tie the story together. I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you think it, it was from the first Iron Man, or do you think at a certain point, a couple films in, they said? Let's. I think it's probably started with Captain America. Captain America is where they introduced the first Infinity Stone, yes. the Tesseract or whatever. Right, right. But I mean, the first Iron Man, they did the Avengers Initiative with Samuel Jackson at the end credit scene. Right. Yes. And I think they had an idea of like, okay, let's let's do these individual movies and then pay it off with an Avengers movie at some point. I think the, the Iron Man thing with Nick Fury was ideally a little uh, wishing on their part. I think. Yeah. I it's agree. Like, let's float this out there and maybe we'll get lucky and maybe we can do two or three Marvel characters and build a little bit of a universe. But I have to think. I mean, certainly they not have to no... This, not the scope, no, no. no. I think it was probably well into the first three or four films where they, start to, they started to get the sense of the momentum right. and said, we, we can tap into something larger well, than we definitely have. Definitely by 2012 when they introduced Thanos... In that closed in the end credit scene after the Avengers movie. Oh yeah, they knew well. They into knew that, there they where that doing. was going, and yes. the, the way they just pieced everything together and every every movie built upon every other movie. It was I think phenomenal. I think uh, as you mentioned, the Tesseract that was involved in the first Captain America, and then with Loki with his Loki pokey stick. Yeah, the, which was the Mind Stone. Right. I think that's when they really. I wonder if even at the first time when they introduced the Tesseract, whether they were going to address the Infinity Stone question or not. Because that could have stood alone. It, it could it, have. It didn't in the comics, but it could have just been the Red Skull MacGuffin, the, whatever well, he was looking well, for. Well, they also had thing, the, they know? also, it was hidden in the Tree of Life paint or mural or whatever that was on the wall in that church or whatever. So that that was an homage or a, it was a nod to Asgard and that whole aspect of the Marvel Universe. Right, yeah. So, and the Nine Realms and all that. Look, regardless of how long ago they started in this planning, it all paid off, obviously, in the biggest possible way. And you have to credit, I think, Kevin Feige, first of all, out of Marvel, who is the mad genius who had his eye on the on the big picture. And then I have to say, as much as I enjoyed the film, and we're here's I'll, t- I'll tell you a little something. We're going to talk about it in broad strokes here with no spoilers. And then what Eddie and I are going to do is do a spoiler-filled review as well for those of you who have seen the film and want to talk about those details. And we will uh, send that out to you as a bonus audio to the uh, two, three, and four-star generals later on today. We'll send that out to you. But uh, just in broad strokes, Kevin Feige obviously deserves a world of credit. And then the Russo brothers as filmmakers are kind of genius. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I agree. One of my favorite in the whole series is Winter Soldier. Yeah, and they that's did a great that. Film. And that's a great. That's a, that's like almost a, a throwback to those spy thrillers yeah. of the seventies. Yeah, that's a political thriller that so good. could stand on its own. Even if you took the Captain America character yeah. out of it and put someone else in it, that would be a great thriller. Yeah. Those guys are brilliant, and uh, I was lucky enough to work with uh, Joe on the set of uh, um, um, Agent Carter. Shields, um, not Shields. Uh, I keep getting Agents of Shield and Agent Carter mixed up. Marvel's Agent Carter with of Haley Atwell, of course, who reprising her role from the Captain America films, where we were it took place in the '40s, and I played an announcer of a fictional radio show called the Captain America Adventure Hour that she would listen to periodically through that show. And so the episode that I did was directed by Joe, and he was an enormously kind, talented guy. But you could see. He just a master in complete control of all the elements that it takes to make film. He had his eye on performance. He had his eye on lighting and on sound and where to put the camera. It was remarkable just to sit back and watch the ease with which he operates because he has such a mastery of all those different pieces moving wow. around. It was really cool. That's cool. And I have to say, if, if you're like the many people who went to Avengers Endgame looking for the announcer to show up in the film, yes, you were disappointed. I'm, I'm sorry to announce that one of the great characters of the Marvel Universe did not make an appearance in that film. And I, I have to say, the one thing some people seem to be complaining about as much as they love the film is that there was no announcer I'm sure that's, yeah, that's, that's what I heard. That's it a big was, thing. Uh, but you never know. It's comic books, so they can always... I don't know. You never know. It's, kinda, it's a tragedy. You can bend the rules. Tragedy however. on many levels. Um, <laughs> I, I think... It's universally been loved. Have you heard any blowback from people? I've who didn't heard a care couple things here and there. Just you know, like I think it, it's ninety six, ninety seven on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. I mean, I've heard a lot. It's a lo- it's a collection of a lot of like different set pieces. It's a lot of like it's a lot of payment to the fans, and it, it's not a great through story the way maybe Infinity War was a great film. That was a great film. You can't you can't deny that. Whereas this one is a great film, but it's more of a collection of different sets coming together and tying a bow and all these things. Well, I mean, if you're doing a conclusion to a story, you ha- you, you're you obligated, I think, to wrap those I things think so up too. in that way. I don't, I don't imagine how you could do it I otherwise. don't know how you could have done this any other way than the way they did it, and they did it brilliantly. Especially, as you mentioned, there's so many characters that have to be serviced, and so many storylines that have to be addressed. Yeah. Past, present, and future, even. So, um... Yeah, uh, needless to say, again, we're trying to review as much as we can without spoiling anything. I found it enormously entertaining. Yeah, I, I saw somebody online say it's the greatest movie ever made. I think that might be overstated. I don't think it's. It. I don't. No, I don't think you put it up on a pedestal of the greatest movie. I think you have to be into this universe and love these films, and this is a great payoff for all of that. Yes. And I think that's what you get caught up in. Is the, as a, It doesn't work as a standalone movie. No. You can't just watch this movie out of nowhere and go, oh, this is a great movie. You're right. This is not uh, Citizen Kane or The Godfather or anything else where that is stands alone and stands the test of time. But however, I do think as far as this genre goes, it's executed about as perfectly yeah, as you can. that's what I'm saying. It's per- I mean, it's like, like there's certain Marvel films, like you could watch the first Iron Man as a standalone movie. Yes. And like, oh, that's a great film. First Avenger, but Captain first, America, you can watch Even Guardians well. of the Galaxy. You can just watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, this- First Thor. I mean, they all have their sort of origin stories. Right, yeah. but those are movies you can watch alone. This You can't come into this movie without knowing all that other stuff. That's true. You would be You'd desperately be lost. lost. I was a little foggy in moments, not having seen some of the films in quite some right. time. There was like, Oh, I think... Oh, now... Yeah, right. okay, I, I don't I sp- remember. I spent the last month watching a film basically a night for the lead-up for this. Wow. And so that... You, you got a lot of free time I on d- your hands. 
<laughs> That's a little. My son and I did it as a thing. I see. I oh. put it on him. I uh, got you. So it was a bonding experience. It was a bonding I didn't want to watch. A I didn't want to go through all these movies, but it helps because you they do touch on a lot of stuff that yeah. happened in other movies. It's good to have a little refresh. You need it. Yeah. So, uh, looking at the weekend box office, as I mentioned, Avengers Endgame thirty, excuse me, three hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> Can't even read it properly. at the box office. It's it's a mind blowing. The next film in the list at number two was Captain Marvel, another Marvel film, eight million dollars. Wow, three. But that's been excuse up for me, four out of every five tickets sold in America for the movies this weekend was Avengers. It's Endgame. crazy. It there, it was hard to get a ticket. Yeah, even like on Sunday. Well, I think uh, I think it's going to do equally. Well, not obviously equally as well, but I think it will be the kind of film that sells a lot of tickets for the next couple of weeks because. Yeah. As many people who have seen it, still more people have not seen it than have seen yeah. it, believe it or not. So they will make up that for lost time this weekend, and, and they'll all people are going more than one yeah. time. And some people are going three have times. their tickets for the third show. Possibly four already. times. Yes. Again, free time. <laughs> Lots of it. Captain Marvel made $8 million. Then The Curse of La Llorona made $7.5 million. That was number three at the box office. Breakthrough. Oh, Jesus saves children. Sometimes. Oh, that's the ice one, right? That's the ice one, yeah. That was third at the box, uh, excuse me, fourth at the box office with $6.3 million. Shazam came in at number five with $5.5 million. Little was sixth. Then Dumbo. Boy, Dumbo is kind of stiff, isn't it? Yeah, man. No that one cares just, about that, that not, movie. That just flopped. That was seventh with $3.2 million. Pet Cemetery came in at number eight. Us was ninth at the box office. And then Penguins, the... Uh, the, the Disney the movie you hate. animated film. I don't hate it. I just, you hate penguins. I don't hate you penguins. S- that's well. You need to rewind. No, no, no. The other episode. Please try to remember what I actually said you was hate penguins. No, that's what you said. I in fact I raved about the idea of a penguin movie. <laughs> this this animated this uh, this documentary from Disney. Right. What I said was penguins don't deserve a holiday. If you remember uh, correctly, uh, I said they don't deserve a holiday because they're bullshit. Vitriol because they sit on a on an ice floor. <laughs> you're getting angry. Talking I'm not getting about angry. I'm just saying it's bullshit. It's hot. It's not holiday worthy. It's not an animal just, that is holiday I'm just worthy. Just saying, if you listen to your old thing, it sounded. Like I'm just you saying, your job is to back penguins. me up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> saying I'm saying penguins saying. no holiday. That's all. Fine. There you go. So uh, yes, yeah, stay tuned if you want to hear the spoiler-filled review of Avengers Endgame uh, later on today. We'll be shipping that off as a bonus audio feature to our two, three, and four-star generals. Meanwhile, the Avengers weren't the only supergroup assembling over the weekend, getting back together, getting the band back together. No, Spinal Tap reunited over the weekend. They did? Oh, I was so jealous about this. It is the 35th anniversary of Spinal Tap, by the way. Oh, my God, it is. 35 years have gone by. And the Tribeca Film Festival, which, of course, is Robert De Niro's film festival, they got together in New York York, and they had a special screening of the film, and they invited the director of that film, Rob Reiner. He introduced it. And on hand were TAP themselves. Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer all showed up as well. And after the screening, house lights come uh, go down, and up on stage are the members of Spinal Tap to play live for the first time in many years. Yes. Now, it was Chris Guest and Harry Shear, and they were not in costume. Right. And it was an acoustic set, interestingly enough. Spinal Tap done acoustically is interesting. But they had a special guest. Elvis Costello joined them on stage for uh, Give Me Some Money. (laughs) 
And they did some of the big the, the hits, the biggest hits from Tap. They did Sex Farm, one of my favorites. Uh, Flower People, one of their early hits, oh. All the Way Home. Clam Caravan, many of their hits. My personal favorite, Hell Hole, I was happy to see Hell also Hole. made the cut. Stonehenge. Here's a little taste. Well, I couldn't think they'd do Stonehenge. They didn't have the midgets. <laughs> oh, sorry, Little People. Little People. To go out there and dance around the 18-inch uh, no, no Stonehenge. Who they were. Or what they were doing. <laughs> Uh, here's a little audio. It's kind of hinky because I don't know if they filmed it or not. I hope they did because I would like to see it. This is someone's uh, uh, phone. They, they took some footage, so he, you can hear it pretty good. Here is some of the reunited Spinal Tap from this weekend's Tribeca Film Festival. Hell great hole. video, too, by the Hell way. whole acoustic. That's yeah, crazy. Isn't it nuts? Uh, Ryan Brodin, when talking about the film, said, when you make something, you have no idea if it's going to stand the test of time or if it's going to last, so this is a thrill. He said, and to know this oddball movie we made with the genre we kind of created is all of a sudden in the Smithsonian and the National Film Registry, it's crazy. He said the first time they screened it was in Dallas, and people came up to him afterwards and said, why would you make a movie about a band that nobody's ever heard of especially a band that is so bad. It took a while for people to understand what we were doing. And Christopher Guest said on one of the feedback cards at that screening, it asked, what did you like about it? And one person wrote, well, it's in color. Wow. That was the nicest thing they could say Just about it. Just over that. everyone's heads. Yeah, so you couldn't, couldn't have predicted what would happen with that film. Speaking of movies, this was pretty charming. I don't know if you saw this or not, but there's a high school in New Jersey, North Bergen High School, and their drama club this year as a production put on Alien the Play. Did you see any of this <laughs> no. online? It went viral. They built this these amazing sets and an actual alien. And they did it largely by recycling other uh, garbage and stuff like yeah. that. So the school was real proud of it. And they put a video up online. It went viral. And everybody was commenting on it. They did it only twice. They did uh, March 19th and March 22nd they performed the play. But it was so popular because of this viral video that they did one more production this past weekend. And everyone involved in the production was surprised when out of the audience came Sigourney Weaver. Oh, wow. She made a guest surprise appearance in the audience to watch the play. And then she did a meet and greet with the kids who put it on uh, backstage afterwards. And as you can imagine, they were all dumbstruck wow. by the fact that Ripley herself had shown up to That's see it. A, it's but all very Rushmore-ish. Pretty clever. Yeah, exactly. She said, I kind of sent my compliments not only from me, but also from James Cameron and the original screenwriter as well. We all say bravo, well done. So that was pretty cool for those kids, I can imagine. And speaking of high school, Brenda Walsh is heading back to Beverly Hills. Shannon Darty has announced she will be rejoining her Beverly Hills 90210 co-stars in that Fox reboot that we talked about that's going to premiere this summer. This is that weird summer. one, right? It's Where a reboot not... inside a reboot inside yeah. a remake. It's very strange. It is, the premise is, it's a nighttime soap, just like Beverly Hills 90210 was, but instead of revisiting those characters, the premise is getting the cast of 90210 back together again to try, because they're trying to launch a reboot of that series right. and to revisit their characters. So weird. So the drama will be amongst the actors preparing to play their role instead of the actual characters themselves. So weird. It's either the biggest misstep or a brilliant yeah. way to do a treatment like that without 
disappointing people who, right. who were saying, well, it's not as good as the original It's was, so weird know? it could work. Yeah, it absolutely could. But now that Shannon Doherty's back in the fold, I think it's going to be even better. Because yeah. they were the last two holdouts, remember? Yeah. It was Luke Perry and Shannon, and Shannon Doherty. And Luke, of course, uh, sadly passed away. So now at least the, the remaining members of that cast will be reuniting. Which, if you're a fan of that show, I got to think that's worth something. You'll right? tune in a little bit. Just to see those people back together again? Why not? All right, let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, April 29th. Country singer Dwayne Allen of a country band called the Oak Ridge Boys is 76 years old today. The Oak Ridge Boys, in my opinion, perpetrating one of the greatest crimes against music ever known. The worst country music song I can ever think of is that fucking song Elvira. Do you know that song? (laughs) It is a crime against music. They should all be doing time. It's so much. It's a bullshit (laughs) corn pone. Hayseed shit kicking song. Oh, fuck that. So hard. (laughs) Listen to this. Oh my god. Elvira. (laughs) Elvira. Dear God. <laughs> Idiot boom. It's, it's horrific. <laughs> Even if you're a country music fan, you can't like Worse that. Worse than that new Billy Ray Cyrus song that's auto-tuned? Oh, that I don't one's know. pretty it's, bad. It might be a, a battle royal between those two. and it, it might be a steel cage match, to put it in parlance that oh, you would understand. Oh they're both, but that this is particularly sort of shit kicky and, and <laughs> awful. Stain on your face. This is the kind of song that usually you have to play on a jug or a stick in a, a wash tub with a piece of string <laughs> attached to it. It's just penguin esque anger at these. Oh, at this I song. would. I'd kiss a penguin on the mouth before I would listen to that goddamn song any longer than I had to. Comedian Jerry Seinfeld is sixty-five years old today. What's up with sixty-five? Why is that? Why am I that old? Uh, Daniel Day Lewis, talented actor who is. By all accounts, if you believe him, retired. Retired. No longer going to be doing the acting thing. I guess the way he approaches acting, I guess it does take a lot out of you. Boy, I think we need more good actors, though, not less. I know. It hurts my heart to see a guy that talented hanging up. Yeah. But look at the body of work he leaves behind. It's kind of ridiculous. Lincoln is still one of my favorite performers. It's such a great one. Uh, Geez, my left foot, he was brilliant in that. That's where a lot of people first discovered him and his genius. Then uh, what was the uh, the, the the blood one? Yeah, about the, the oil. Blood on the moon. Uh, <laughs> no blood for something. The blood. No blood for old men. No. <laughs> What's it? Uh, Bloody Mary on the rocks. Blood no. something. Blood simple. I forget. What All right, we're gonna put the show on hold. We'll be right back. Please hold. We know your time is valuable. Thank you for holding. Someone will be with you as soon as possible. And we're back. There will be blood. Of go. course, that's the name yeah. of it. Last of Mohicans, too. Yeah, he was good in that. Stay where you are. I will find you. Um, but there will be blood. Paul Dano, also a great performance yeah. in that. And it gave us this great line. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. <laughs> I was saying I drink your milkshake for about a month after I saw that movie. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, 62 years old today. Actress Kate Mulgrew, you know her from Star Trek Voyager and Orange is the New Black. She's 64. Actress Michelle Pfeiffer is 61. She makes a little appearance. I guess that's a spoiler, yeah, isn't did it? Yeah, you, you just spoiled Nah, not really. Come on. I mean, kind of. Everybody knows she was in the last Ant-Man movie. All right, okay. I'm just saying. All right. I, I wouldn't say, say how it. she shows up no, or okay. when she shows I, up. I, I or didn't, as long as I didn't or, say. Or in what capacity she shows up. Right. But I'm just saying you will see an image of Michelle Pfeiffer okay. in that An film. image of Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. And uh, she plays uh, Janet Van Dyke. Dine. Dine. Van Dyke. Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke's Dick sister. Dick Van Dyke's sister. Um, it was the Wasp. And she's also just a terrific actress. Catwoman, of course. Grease and all her other No, we're not yes. going to mention that one. We're going to be kind to her. We're going to let that <laughs> die in the annals of history. But how about Fabulous Baker Boys? Oh, yeah. Is there anyone sexier? Can you fall in love any harder with anyone than you do Susie Diamond in the Fabulous Tequila Baker Sunrise. Boys? Sunrise. Also a great performance. Scarface. But for me, Baker Boys was, well, first of all, I'm a huge Jeff Bridges fan. And to watch those two together. And then she gets on top of that piano mm-hmm. and sings that song. Another bride, another tune, another sunny honeymoon, another season, another reason for making whoopee. Moly, that's yeah. good stuff right there. Yeah. It's no cool writer, but still, that's it's a good g- performance. <laughs> Grease 2. Uh, Tyler Labine, very talented actor. He is 41 years old today. Do you remember that series Reaper that was on? Yeah, the, I love that show. Uh, I loved Reaper. That was a great show. It was Ray Wise as the devil, and Tyler was, Labine oh, was... Such uh, a good devil. Socks is the guy's best friend. Yeah. And it was so entertaining. I love that show. I was uh, sad when it went away. I was too. Uh, Tyler's 41 years old. Actress Eve Plum, who, of course, was the middle girl Jan on The Brady Bunch. She's 61. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. No, we're talking about you, Jan. Don't be so jealous. <laughs> Singer Carney Wilson of the legendary Wilson Phillips, who had that one hit that one time. She is 51 years old today. I still like that song, though. I think it's still it's a great pop song. Whoa, someday somebody's going to make you want to turn around and say goodbye. Actress Uma Thurman is 49 years old today. Bassist Mike Hogan of the band The Cranberries celebrates his 46th birthday. Actress Megan Boone from The Blacklist is 36 years old. I thought for a long time when I was watching The Blacklist that she would make a really good Wonder Woman if they ever made a movie oh, yeah. about her. This is pre-Gal uh, Gadot, but I remember looking at her and saying, wow, she's got that thing. She's yeah. kind of tough and very pretty, brunette thing going on. She could have pulled off yeah. Wonder Woman. That's a good point. 36 years old today. And singer Tommy James, one of the great pop 
bubblegum rock singers of the 60s. Tommy James was the uh, lead singer for a band called Tommy James and the Shondells. So many great hits, but I think this is probably my favorite. Uh, that's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. And up now is our pal Steve Ashton, who celebrated a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday again, Steve. Eating his gold cake. His uh, millionaire cheesecake. Millionaire cake. cheesecake. We found out yesterday on the uh, live stream event. We were uh, live on um, in the internet, and Steve Ashton came into the room to chat with everybody. He wasn't on screen with us, obviously. It was Eddie and myself. My wife, Carrie, was sort of moderating and then Steve popped in the room and we wished him a happy birthday and he had put a, a picture up online of the the special treat he was having for his birthday and it's called Millionaire's Cheesecake and it's cheesecake topped with a chocolate caramel sauce <laughs> and flakes of gold <laughs> on top of it and I said we are truly in a in a first world situation here when your friends are eating gold, gold. for their birthday mm. yes well, anyway, Steve, happy birthday again, pal. A day uh, belated. Steve is our UK correspondent, of course. You know him for his UK updates, but he's also a man with a font of information about all things of his homeland. And sometimes folks write in or call in with questions about how they do things there in the UK, and they like to ask a Brit. So here's the man with all the answers, Mr. Steve Ashton. I want to ask a Brit. I want to ask a Brit. Oh, hello, Ralph. Well, this one uh, comes, this is a food-related one, um, so Eddie should enjoy this. Um, and it comes hot off the heels of uh, the other week when we are talking about salad cream. Have you had a chance to try any salad cream yet? I haven't, but I've been promised some salad cream when I do the UK tour with Hollywood Babylon in May. Fantastic. Now, this one comes from us from Grand Rapids in Michigan from uh, John Gaffney. He says, Steve, you're by, by far my favorite member of the group, just under Ralph and Eddie. Oh, and I forgot about Carrie. And then there's Reggie. So you're by <laughs> far my fifth favorite member of the group. Fuck you, John Gaffney. Um, he continues to write, I thought blood sausage was an Irish thing. Blood sausage, right? I thought it was an Irish thing made from oats and blood encased in an animal intestine. But Google told me I'm wrong. Could you shine some light on this for me? Uh, is it a Brit thing? Is it how popular is it? Uh, thank you, good sir, and have a swell day. Well, John, as you uh, know, because I've talked about it many times on the Ralph Report, uh, I come from a long line of butchers. And I've always said, and I've said this on many occasions and told you, my great-great-grandmother used to butcher and prepare otters for King George the Fourth. So... <laughs> 
Blood, blood sausage. Do you know what it is, Ralph? I don't. I've heard uh, about it my whole life, but I actually don't know what it's made up of. So it's often called blood pudding. So and basically they're sausages filled with blood that are cooked and dried and then mixed with a filler until they're thick enough to solidify when they're cooled. Now, variants are found all around the world and they tend to be made from pig, cow, sheep, even duck and goat's blood can be used, um, presumably if you're a, a practicing Satanist. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, in Europe and the Americas, typical fillers of that type of sausage include, include fat, suet, um, cornmeal, barley, and in Spain and Portugal and Asia, all over the world, they have their own versions of it. So, for example, in Kenya, they have one called the maturo. It's a traditional dish for people in central um, Kenya, and it's a type of blood sausage. Now, they're really hard to find, actually, in U.S. supermarkets, apart from if you're in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. Hmm. How crazy, yeah, because local grocers uh, around there produce blood sausage due to their large Belgian-American populations. Now, blood sausage is different to black pudding or blood pudding. Now, black pudding is a type of blood sausage that originates in the UK and in Ireland, so this is maybe what John was referring to. It's made from pork blood and pork fat and beef suet and a cereal of things like barley and oats and that sort of stuff's in it. Now, the high proportion of cereal, along with the use of certain herbs such as pennyroyal, you ever heard of that before? No. It's also known as squaw mint, mosquito plant, and pudding grass, hmm. which coincidentally are names that um, Kanye and uh, Kim were thinking of for their <laughs> next child. But um, <laughs> So in Scotland, in fact, some chip shops sell deep-fried battered black pudding because they're savages. <laughs> um, some novel coloring, color, I'm easy for me to say, some novel cooking uses for black pudding include black pudding ice cream. Mm. Um, but a more conventional way uh, might be to have black pudding with scallops. Do you like a scallop, Ralph? I do, yes. Uh, me too. Now, since the 1980s, the World Black Pudding Throwing Championships have been held, have been held in a place called Ramsbottom. Uh, the humorous, it's a true place. The humorous competition invokes uh, the traditional Lancashire versus Yorkshire rivalry with participants throwing black puddings at piles of Yorkshire puddings. It take, takes place annually in September and draws thousands of competitors and spectators um, to the town. And I grew up not far from Ramsbottom, Ralph. Oh, did you? Yeah, about 15 miles away in a small town called Cow's Bollocks. <laughs> there you go, John. <laughs> There you go, John in Wisconsin. I'm off to go and get some black pudding and a pour lashings of salad cream all over it for my breakfast. Yum, oh. yum. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. And that's it for today's show. Come on back tomorrow because it's a Tuesday. That means TV Tunes Tuesday. And I don't want to oversell this, but I think we have finally we got one. settled we named one. the theme song debate. Oh, We've had good. the great TV Tunes theme song debate. It's been going on for some time now. I think a Garmy member has stepped up and solved it in a pretty genius fashion. Okay. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Also, Steve Ashton will be back this time with a UK update for all the showbiz news there in the UK. And the usual nonsense with me and Mr. Pence. Looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. So come on back. Love you. Mean it. Bye.